Well, hey, good morning. I know we've welcomed you several times, but I just wanted to be the, the at least possibly the last one to do that this morning. My name's Chris Fry, and my wife Megan and I are the lead pastors here at New Hope. We have an incredible team. How about our worship team? What a great job they did this morning. Huh? I like... I like to celebrate the unseen, and so when I found out that our worship pastor was up here with a, a volunteer serve team member until 2.30 in the morning working on stuff last night, getting it ready for Sunday morning, I was just even that much more impressed with all that they were able to pull off as we came into the sanctuary today. I also want to just take real quick the opportunity to thank the Eunice Bobcats and the Iota Bulldogs for giving me something to cheer about this year. I'm, uh, I'm very thankful to be an LSU fan in South Louisiana with something significant to actually uh, not keep me awake in disappointment until 12, 12 a.m. And uh, don't ah me, that should have never happened. I ain't even looking, <laughs> we're not even going there. Hey, look, you know, we've been in this, we've been in this series for the last few weeks. Uh, actually, this is our fourth week, and we're obviously, um, we don't have a giant elf coming to wear a hat over here real soon. That is actually our mountain for the Grinch present. Presentation, how Christmas saved the Grinch. We, we, had, we had considered maybe having Pastor John and the worship team pop out of the building uh, like a jack-in-the-box just to open worship just to get your attention, but we're getting ready for that here in just a couple of weeks, and we're going to have a great time with that. Um, but I wanted to, in this series, really hone in on the impact of our individual story. And in this series, we talked about the significance of the seemingly insignificant decisions that we make in our lives and how every decision that we make affects someone or something. And so our story as an individual has an impact that goes way beyond ourselves. So in this series, this is my story. We really highlighted that the truth should be that this is his story, that this is, that he is the author and the perfecter, and that his theme should be our theme. Today, I want to give you some tangible evidence of how our story goes beyond our sanctuary, that this story, with our giving and our investment, goes beyond our church. It goes beyond our city. It even has the potential to go beyond our state. And so to help me uh, do that, I invited Pastor Charlie Allo, our district youth director and children's director. He's actually the family life director is the new title um, that Pastor Charlie has taken on that very few people would actually ever in, endeavor in, but he was willing and is doing a great job there. And then Pastor Tony Jones is at Chi Alpha at McNeese State University in Lake Charles. They're doing a great job. They've been there. Would you just make sure that they know that we're thankful that they're here today? All right, so if you've ever seen this before, the way that we're going to do this, we're going to take about the next 25 minutes and do just an interview style. Last year, we were able to, to bring in Miss Donna Ingball. Um, she's over in New Orleans. She works with ladies that are and children that are out on the streets of New Orleans, and she has a, a very heart-wrenching ministry. But listen, the soul on New Orleans, 
on the streets of New Orleans is no more or less important to God than the student at McNeese State University. It's no more, they are no more or less important than the individual on the other side of the world who has never heard the gospel unless we get that speed, the light, vehicle, sound system, computer, uh, iPad, or whatever it is that we use to get the gospel there. What we do is bigger than us, and it reaches to our calling. Last week, we, we went into this story of, of the rich young ruler and, and Zacchaeus, and one of the things that we learned, and this is kind of the point of the day, okay, is that the reason that many of us are unfulfilled in our Christian walk is because we're not fulfilling our purpose as a believer. Our calling is not to just receive salvation. Our calling is to invest in the lives of others outside of ourselves. In fact, last week we said we should find more fulfillment in the success of others than we should in our own success. In other words, ultimately, this is not where we're going to start, but this is where we're aspiring to. We don't just come to be ministered to and to receive salvation, although there are seasons of life when that's what we need. Come on, somebody. We all need that. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. What I'm saying is if we never take the step beyond that, then we are neglecting a piece of the gospel and actually the last thing that Jesus told his disciples, that we should be about the master's business, not just for ourselves, but for the people that he puts in our path. One of the ways that we can do that, because many of you will never go to Africa, many of you will never go to Central Asia, many of you will never go and lead students on McNeese State campus, but many of you can give. And when we give, when we give, listen, don't put up your wall today because we're talking about giving. Don't put up your wall today because scripture says where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Don't put up your wall today because Paul made sure that Luke included in the book of Acts, Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I I want you to understand, we don't need your money today. We need to give you an opportunity to be a part of something bigger than yourself. So before you close the door, before you get offended, before you even feel obligated today, we just want to share how your giving has given and will continue to give you access into other people's stories. When you give, I'm going to pass it to Pastor Charlie here, but when you give, you gain access into someone else's story. You give beyond yourself, your time, your talent, and your treasure, not limited to, but not excluded from. When you give, you gain access to somebody else's story. So this morning, Pastor Charlie Allo is here. One of the main things that Pastor Charlie is attempting to rejuvenate in our district is a heart for Speed the Light. Pastor Charlie, tell us, tell us why Speed the Light. Tell us what what Speed the Light is, why we should be concerned as a, as a lead pastor, as a church member, as someone who's looking for an opportunity to invest in something that would go beyond even this sanctuary. Why Speed the Light? 
Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for uh, having me here uh, today. My wife and kids will be here at the second service, and um, I love this church here at New Hope. Uh, first time I came to New Hope was about 23 years ago as a 17-year-old punk kid, uh, I could probably say. Uh, at a service, had some friends here. I served as a youth pastor in Ville Platte, and my wife is from Ville Platte. And so Evangeline Parish and, and, and this area is, is a part of my history now, my story. And so it's always a treat for me to come. And so one thing I know about Evangeline Parish, and it doesn't matter if you're from Eunice or Basile or Mamou or Ville Platte or Lost Meg, Point Blue, or anywhere in between, right, is that let's just be honest, you know, today's been a rainy day, okay? And on the best day to get to this church or to get anywhere, you're going at least a mile or more to get to where you know. Most of us five miles, 10 miles, and we do it all the time, right? We go to Lafayette if we need those kind of things. So I want you to imagine that you had to walk everywhere, I want to know if you would have came to church this morning, if you had to walk. I wouldn't have. Let's be honest. I'm going to watch it on the internet, right? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, if something <laughs> happened, you'd figure a way, right? You'd start learning, you know, you wouldn't be making those trips, you know. To, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, it would, it would severely restrict the way you would go to school. If you had uh, to bring your kids to school, excuse me, we had to go to work, and so on. Just for errands. And I want you to realize that in our second and third world countries, matter of fact, in all of our situations where our missionaries are abroad or here in the U.S., speed to light is the way that our missionaries work. It provides vehicles. It provides the actual way for them to get to the people that they're called to. It provides the outreach equipment. It provides all the large work and outreach and just living um, equipment that they need to function, let alone, let alone do the work that God's called them to do. And so without Speed the Light, our missionaries, first of all, would, would be just would be almost useless in the, in the effect of what God is calling them to do. And so you're giving to Speed Delighted, and also on BGMC on the kids' side, but for Speed Delight specifically with our students and our churches, it is the fund that the Assemblies of God uses uh, for traditionally for hundreds of years to provide the means to spread the gospel or to speed the light of the gospel to the dark places of the world. And, you know, we just heard a story about a week ago about a young man who went to one of the last uh, isolated places and to the Sintelese people and was a martyr for the gospel of Christ. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, that little island of people um, is not an isolated place. Yes, that place there might be just a, uh, a walled-off physical location where people unreach, but there are millions of people today who do not know Jesus who are just as isolated, and our missionaries are called, and they go and Speed Delight uses folks like yourselves, folks like me, churches like there, youth ministry, students, parents, families, to assist and to speed the gospel so that other folks who do not know about Jesus or who think about him in the way that we think about Santa Claus, great idea, but no impact in my life, so that they would have a personal relationship just like we do. So every single time, why does it mean something to us? Because it is. Every single time you give, and it doesn't matter if you give, uh, it doesn't matter the amount. The Lord doesn't say, well done, my good productive servants. He says, well done, my good and faithful servants. Mm. And he's wanting us to be faithful with what we have, to say, you know what? I'm going to deny what I have, that extra Starbucks coffee, that extra meal, that extra want and desire that we have to say, you know what, I'm going to give that to someone else who needs to hear the gospel. And your giving, your faithfulness 
allows the gospel to go to places that will never be able to go simply because it is the physical vehicle, the physical equipment that these monies purchase to actually speak and share the gospel. And not just on a spiritual note, but also physically, mosquito nets, medicine development, all those things that missionaries use, orphanages, we provide some of those equipment for that as well through Speed the Light. So what we're doing today is, is we're trying to cover two ministries that are very closely related today. So Pastor Tony and his wife Lindsay are at McNeese State and they have Speed the Light sound equipment. They have Speed the Light provided uh, material supplies and are on the list to receive a Speed the Light vehicle um, for their family to be able to travel more uh, conveniently, consistently, um, outside of just their own family vehicle, but they will be able to have more access to the campus. So that's how Speed the Light relates here. It was for me, before we go any further, I'm about to give it to Pastor Tony, it was for me a shocking statistic, a shocking statistic, that in, in our world today, with global satellite antenna and access, that we still have two billion people. I believe the last I heard, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, 6,000 people groups who have never heard the gospel. People alive today on this earth who have not heard the gospel. And I had a, a, somebody ask me yesterday, man, I, our pastor travels a lot. Like he's going to all these foreign countries and he's trying to find some, uh, some ministries to partner with. Do you do a lot of traveling to other countries to, to try to find some ministries to partner with? And I said, well, I, I do travel some. I, I was able to go on a mission trip this past year. I'll probably go on another one here soon. And, and we've got some things that we support. But the, the reality is, is I don't have to travel to find those things. Uh, I have them presented to me every day. And the more that we receive, truly, the more we send out and the more that we do. And when God tells us to do those things sacrificially, we do that too. I believe we as a church are called to put a dent in the two billion people who have never heard the gospel. I believe that we are called to go beyond our church, our city, our state, and our nation, not neglecting any of those, but certainly going beyond that. Pastor Tony, the, the demographic of people that you minister to, I know, I know in my heart right now that we three guys sitting up on the stage, we represent a, a certain age group, a certain demographic, and to many people that are out here, uh, some of them are proud of us. They're like, oh, Look at those boys. They're doing a good job. Those boys are doing a great job. But, but the reality is, is that the students and the people that you minister to, Pastor Charlie, that you minister to in student ministry and, and children's ministry, those are the pastors and the missionaries of tomorrow. Like Your college students are going to be my children's pastors. And so for us to invest in you and for you to invest in them is extremely important to me. I want you to just take a few minutes and tell us uh, what do you guys do at Chi Alpha and McNeese State and, and, and how do you reach students? How do you equip them? How do you, what are some of the things that you do weekly, monthly? Just kind of share that open abroad there. So uh, as Pastor Charlie said, thank you for having me. My wife, Lindsay, is up here on the front. And uh, we're just so grateful 
uh, that you guys are hosting us this morning. And simply, um, to put it simply, what we do in a broad sense is that we seek to reconcile students to Christ to ultimately transform the university, the marketplace, and the world. And that's what Chi Alpha groups are doing, not just in the United States, but across Europe, South America, Asia, Africa, so on and so forth. Uh, but at McNeese specifically, what we seek to see, how we seek to see that vision played out is, yes, we do uh, a weekly worship service on Thursday nights. Yes, we do uh, outreach in the quad. We'll go out uh, two by two and just directly share the gospel. I'm not one to get all creative. I just kind of like to go right for the juggler and, uh, and go up to students and just directly share. Um, and so, you know, we do prayer meetings, we do leadership meetings, but really the bread and butter of how we reach students is through our small groups. Mm-hmm. My goal is to equip as many students as possible to be shepherds in their own right, to go out to find four to six students of their own, saved or not, and to teach them how to follow Jesus for a lifetime so they can go out and do the same. And really, that's the bread and butter of what we do. Another core value for me specifically is, as Pastor Chris was talking about the 6,000 unreached people groups in the world, I, there are times, I, if I can be honest, where I, I struggle with the fact that I am not there, but God has really given me a burden that you can be there far more often and have far more fruit if you can equip students to have your heart for those unreached people groups. And that's what we've been able to do this past May. I took a group of students on our first ever trip to some of these unreached people groups in Cairo, Egypt. This upcoming May, we'll be taking another group of students back to Cairo, but we're also adding a trip to Delhi, India, where some of these unreached or some of these unreached people groups are. And in 2020, uh, not only will we be keeping those two groups, but we're going to be hoping to add Russia, where we'll be working with uh, Muslim university students in the mountains of Russia, and also to China, where uh, we're also hoping to partner with some missionaries there. Because my goal, simply put, is to take these kids from small town USA and to see their heart broken for what breaks God's heart, and that's to see the orphan pursued and to come back into the family. And so that, that's just a core, not just small groups and equipping students, but also to see them have a global mission and to see their heart broken for some of these unreached people groups. So this idea of leading leaders uh, to lead others, uh, that's not a, it's not a new thing, no. but it, it's certainly a, something that the church has, for me, seemingly, just really discovered and really honed in on over the last, I would say, 15 to 20 years that the church realized, you know what, if we can reach the, the three, they can minister to the 12 for us, the 12 can minister to the 70, and the 70 can minister to a masses of people that we'll never come into communication with, that we won't have as much influence with. So in other words, if, if the church is doing the ministry, it's way more effective than a few people on a pastoral staff or even a, a board or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I would be interested, how do you guys equip some of those leaders? Because I know you have a process because I know where you came from. What, what are some of the things specifically that you guys do to recruit and raise those leaders to head up 
those small groups and kind of meet some of those students and train them because I, I, I'm just crazy enough to believe that if a 19 to 24 year old can do it, then we may have some leaders sitting in the sanctuary today that may need to be leading a small group next semester. Come on, somebody. I'm just saying. Like, it's not a recommendation. It's a biblical mandate. That's why we're trying to do it better. Okay, Pastor, Pastor Tony, help me practically. How do you, how do you if, we were, if we're sitting in the congregation and we need to have eyes for people to help this staff and help the leadership that exists to expand, how do you recruit and raise leaders within that confine? Uh, so just from start to finish, we, in the month of August and September, uh, we are all about finding as many people as we possibly can. Uh, I, I, I tell churches all the time, August and September are like taking Christmas and Easter for a local church and combining them together in one four to six week period. We are trying to get as many people as we can. So we get freshman Johnny plugged in and you know if he if he's not if he's not saved we get, we we are pretty much assuming that because we have this value uh, we allow students to belong before they believe and through their belonging they will see up close and personal what we believe they will experience the love of God in a very tangible way they will hear about our love for God and what and how we pursue him just through normal, regular conversation and being amongst the community. So once we see that student come to Christ, which typically will happen somewhere in the late September to early October mark, we see it year after year, uh, then we start allowing them to experience what a healthy small group actually looks like, which does include a Bible study, but it also includes this whole concept of a loving community. We say it this way, the difference between a small group and a Bible study really is love. You can have some really bad Bible studies if there's no love component there. Uh, but as soon as the love component and the honor and respect component is there, that's what ultimately transforms that small group into something healthy and that can multiply. And as they're experiencing that towards the end of the fall semester, which is where we're at now, we challenge them face to face and say, hey, look, you've been experiencing the small group. You've been coming to worship yet, you know, and you've been coming with us on campus, but you've experienced a small group. Do you think you could do this? Well, I don't, I don't have as much Bible knowledge as, no, 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 I didn't ask you if you had Bible knowledge. I, I'm, I'm at, do you love Jesus, and do you think you could do this? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know if I could, but I do love Jesus. Well, we think you could do it. Why don't you, why, why don't you come in the spring and take our eight-week leadership training class, which is both informational and a lab? You come for two hours on a Sunday night, you're going to learn discipleship by design, and you're going to learn some of our core convictions, lordship of Christ, the kingdom of God, love, how to, you know, community, biblical community, all these things. And also, we have 15 objectives for you to accomplish on campus throughout this eight weeks. Also, there's going to be a mandatory retreat you have to go to uh, with your other fellow LTCers or leadership training class members because we want you guys to bond as a family as quickly as possible because at, at, once this is all said and done and the next fall rolls around, we are now the army that's going to step on campus together. Mm. And so that is really our process. We allow the student to experience what a healthy small group looks like because you can't give away what you do not have. And at the end of the day, the more healthy small groups we have and the more healthy small group leaders we have, the more we are going to be able 
to see our group multiply at a rapid rate. All right, how many, how many years have you guys been at McNeese? We re-pioneered uh, McNeese Chi Alpha in 2015 with just me and Lindsay. Okay. We were the only leaders. How many students do you think, how many leaders, small group students, do you think you guys have seen just in that amount of time, just but, ballpark? Between, but between those years, we have, on, a reg, on, on an ongoing basis, probably 50 students involved in small groups from our leaders. Every year? Well, just this year, yeah. Just this year. Yeah. This year. So, and we will probably double our team. At the, at the rate we're going now, we'll probably du- double our team going into the next fall. Okay, I don't know about you, but I, I get, I'm, I'm a little too much on, uh, uh, in, probably discouraged by the national media. I don't know about you, but that's just kind of where I sit most of the time. And, uh, and that doesn't give me a lot of hope in, in this demographic age group, the 18 to 25 year olds. I believe that what you guys are doing is transformationally, even right now, giving me hope in the students that are being raised up that are going to be the leaders, the voters, and the production of tomorrow's country, much less tomorrow's church. That's really, really encouraging to me. I know that you have some. I want you to save it. Think of the the celebration from the fall. I want to come back to you, uh, Pastor Charlie. When we give to speed the light, We've got four values. You'll learn this in next steps, which uh, we won't have for December, but we will be right back in signing up in January and starting the first Sunday in February. Just you're welcome. Thank you. And so we'll be doing that. One of the things that we go over, we have the four values here. I'm sorry. The four points of our mission is to know Jesus, find freedom, discover purpose. And then this is the last one, impact eternity. Okay. I, I just... I don't believe that impacting eternity is up to professional clergy. Thank you for those powerful amens. Y'all don't shout me, sit down, I'll never finish this. Okay, Uh, I believe that impacting eternity must go beyond must go beyond professional clergy. And, And the reason that I say that is if if the leadership in the church the church, like Big C Church, not, not New Hope, but Big C Church, in the body of Christ, if it's just the leaders who have a focus on God, how can you use me to, to reach someone in my community? How can you use me to share the gospel, not just in the, the old school, uh, throw a track in their face and ask them if they had to stand before God to get today, would they go to heaven or hell? It's, it's not just, it's so much more than that. If the whole church had the burden to forsake the cares of this life and to focus on the kingdom of God, what would that look like? What would it look like if 50 students were doing that on the campus of McNeese State? What would it look like if 500 people were doing this in Eunice? We're more concerned about the kingdom of God than the cares of this life. Man, please, tell, us, tell us when we give, when we give to, to Speed the Light, to, to Chi Alpha, but specifically Speed the Light, how does that impact eternity? I know that you told us some of the things. You can even share like the most powerful testimony or well, a specific example if you want. Well, I think you're kind of, before I share this story, I don't, I don't want to just tie in what you're saying. I think the issue that, that hinders us from doing these things is we have to overcome our tradition that we were raised in. 
Let's just be honest. I think all of us, most if not all of us, come, I was part of that number, came from a tradition that we culturally and what we know um, is that there's a separation. That mm. there's a separation from uh, what we see, that there's a minister on the stand uh, versus the Bible calling that we're all ministers of reconciliation, right? That, hey, that, that we are attenders and participants, but, are we, but how do we even go and be and, and serve in ministry? Um, the student's cry is, I don't know Bible uh, like you do. Well, so what? None of us know the Bible like God does, and that's okay, you know? But the fact is, is that do you believe? Do you believe that God doesn't make mistakes? Do you believe that you have value and that you have worth, and God wants to use you in your giftings, abilities, and passion and heart to reach someone that I cannot, to reach someone that someone else cannot? Yes, there's missionaries in Africa right now meet, meeting people that they can't, but they were sent to Africa and you were sent to Eunice. Yeah. And so the heart that I first would say is that the thing that the Lord speaks to me, and I'm going to transition to speak the line, is like ministry comes in the small ways. I had a conversation on Friday with my niece and over Chick-fil-A for two hours listening and talking with her because she started to make some steps with a boyfriend at 14 years old. And I realized it's not the behavior is happening because of heart. She doesn't really know Jesus. She knows about Jesus, but she doesn't know Jesus. And she's never really had a conversation to connect the dots. And so I had a conversation yesterday mediating a crazy Thanksgiving family drama, you know, that persists. That's ministry. Hmm. To be able, I know better because of the Lord speaking to me, and I just needed to, to get peace in a time of discord. Well, how many of you in the last week have run into family members or work uh, colleagues who have shared, vomited up their issues, and they're just looking for someone with an answer? And so that is ministry. That's giving. And so financially giving through missions, through tithing, but specifically through missions and speed of light is one more step. It's taking what we have and not knowing where it's going to go, but say, you know, Lord, I don't have much, but what I have is yours. And so I'm going to trust it and put it in your hands because, God, your hands are bigger than my hands. And I'm going to do what I can here, but I'm going to give what you have given me to give back to the kingdom. And so I'll give you a short testimony about, about 11 years ago. Uh, talk about, I'm, I'm thinking of a college uh, ministry here, uh, but a, a missionary at University of Louisiana Lafayette had received some outreach equipment through Speed of Light and was doing, using it for the fall uh, freshman activities. We was using it for their weekly services, using it for their uh, meal with the message. I mean, how many of you know if you give college students or high school students food, they show up, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? And so uh, they do this thing that called That doesn't free... stop in college and high school. It's anyway, right? <laughs> it, you know, you have the outdoor kitchen cooking a sauce in the backyard. Everybody yeah. shows up, you know? And so it's the same concept. Well, we, this missionary and his team is using this equipment to reach students who would otherwise not show up. Well, this 18-year-old uh, kid, uh, the student, came from the West Bank. I'm from the West Bank, which is, he came from a little further down from where I grew up in New Orleans and joined a fraternity, didn't know Jesus, unchurched, living a life uh, just not uh, biblical at all, didn't even know how far away he was to even know, you know, and uh, started to uh, just connect, uh, live on campus and doing this thing. And a student from Chi Alpha uh, got to know this gentleman and invited him to one of their services. Well, this student comes, he walks in, and there's music playing, there's through this speed of light equipment, there's worship happening, there's announcements giving, and then the word is preached in a way that makes sense to this gentleman. Mm -hmm. And this young man gives his heart to Christ that night. In November, 
at 9.15 p.m. at the end of that service, he gives his heart to Christ. He meets a girl who grew up in church, like a church like this. They date, they, they get married eventually. He gets disciple, becomes a small group leader, leads one of the largest small groups at that time, and, and raises up leaders. And then they answer the call to not only just love Jesus, but to vocationally serve him. And then you fast forward 10 years ago uh, from now, and that missionary equipment that was purchased by churches like you in 19, what, 2001, 2002, excuse me, 2008, excuse me, 10 years ago, leads to a story that we have here today where you see Tony Jones here, who was an 18-year-old punk kid who didn't know anything, who just was invited by a small group leader in Chi Alpha who heard the gospel and, and, and through means that Speed Delight equipment gave, and he heard the gospel, gave his heart to Christ, answered the call of ministry, met Lindsay, dated, got married, living it out, and are now missionaries and reaching a thing. You're talking about a testimony, hmm. you know? And, and, and Tony doesn't speak about this often, in a sense, because he's not gonna toot his own horn, but I'm gonna tell you one thing about Tony and about Lindsay here is that they, uh, well, one, Tony could easily be a theological professor, but it's okay. The Lord uses it um, in his right mind because there's so many folks in Kyle in a university campus that wants to argue academic stuff because mm. students are learning for the first time. But Tony has a way because he knows how it is to be lost, and now he knows how it is to be found. But he also understands there's a depth and a hunger for the word to be able to communicate, to uh, connect with students, and lead them to Jesus. And without that equipment, that missionary maybe would have spread the gospel in a smaller way, but he sure wouldn't have been able to do it in the impact. And Tony is a benefactor of that. And there's many, many testimonies uh, like that here and across the world, but I just wanted to share his. And I think that's a beautiful story, so. Yeah, go. So like a, a real life story. I know so often we bring in, we'll have like a, we'll give examples, we'll give testimonies, but this is the, this is the real deal. Like there are, there are 50, there are 50 students this semester at McNeese State who are very, very grateful for whoever it was that gave to Speed the Light 11 or 12 years ago to purchase some sound equipment to, I believe Pastor Eric Trull also had a, had a vehicle then, a speed of light vehicle at that point, to travel back and forth from the campus, to go pick up the food, to do everything that goes into, which is a huge deal, that everything that goes into a night that was prepared for an unchurched student to come to college and find a place to belong because somebody gave and everything was purchased, the event was had, and the gospel had influence. A seemingly, we've been talking about this for several weeks now, a seemingly insignificant decision to give in an offering, a seemingly insignificant decision to host an event at the beginning of the year had a significant impact, listen, on Pastor Tony, on his bride Candace, on their babies, Lindsay, on his bride Lindsay, not Candace, Candace is Charlie's bride, on his bride Lindsay, <laughs> and 50 students, 50 students, 50 50 18 to 25-year-olds that we're worried about because they're going to be the leaders of this nation in 10 to 15 years. It's all changed because one person, a seemingly insignificant decision was made. 
Pastor Tony, tell us, give us one fall testimony, just an, an example of a life transformed. We're, we're certainly communicating about the 50, but give us just a, a couple of specific stories that you guys have seen transformationally at McNeese Chi Alpha. Well, I'll give you one. Um, so we always, we, we, we do a lot of uh, protecting the investment of, of kids who grew up in churches being in the Bible Belt. Um, we, we do have a lot of kids that come and before they make really bad decisions, they will plug in with us and will help deter <laughs> Uh, some of those very bad decisions from being made, and they actually end up becoming really good leaders. Uh, but we are always so grateful that the Lord will allow us to reach students who have never heard an adequate gospel presentation. Hmm. Erica came as a freshman. She's a first-generation college student. She, her parents are from El Salvador. They moved here. She was born in Chalmette and uh, found her way over to McNeese. Uh, Erica came from a kind of a very new agey background. Uh, she actually uh, admitted that she prayed to the universe. Universe, show me who I'm supposed to be when I come to McNeese. Mm. We met Erica instantly within the first five days of school. Um, she told us up front, hey, I'm not a Christian, but can I still hang out with you guys? Because she saw very clearly that we were. And of course, the answer was, uh, yeah, you can hang out with us. And so she came to everything. Uh, but you know, anytime the conversation would go spiritual, she'd get quiet and just kind of listen, but didn't want to participate in anything. And uh, came from a very broken home. I won't, I'll spare the details for her privacy's sake, but just if you could think of the most traumatic things that can happen to someone that's more or less Erica's story. Um, and just over the course of time, us living out our, our Chi Alpha habit, we let students belong before they believe. Mm. Because through their belonging, if we let them belong well, they will see very clearly and tangibly what we believe. They'll not just hear our words, but they'll see our actions. And that is why this girl kept coming around. We have our fall retreat at the campground, and the Holy Spirit just wrecked this girl, I mean, to the core. And um, she, she gave her life to Christ, and after that camp, you, 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 you always kind of wonder, well, was that just a mountaintop experience? No, the girl had a, a full-on new birth experience. Mm -hmm. I mean, the dead Erica was dead, and now she is alive totally in Jesus. And just that, that fresh, fresh, loving Jesus for the first time ever. Uh, if, you, if you've ever had that yourself, or if you've seen that, that fresh new baby Christian that makes you look at yourself and go, man, have I lost my first love? Um, you know, she will just convict you without trying because it's so new, it's so fresh. She comes, we, we sit in the cafeteria or we'll be sitting on campus and, you know, I always have a book in my hand. I always have students around me reading. There's Erica sitting with her Bible, highlighting just about the entire page and journaling and just soaking it up, eating it up. And of course, she's gonna be taking leadership training class this coming spring um, because she knows what it's like, again, to walk on a college campus, never knowing Jesus, and now finding Jesus, 
and she is sold out, little Bible knowledge or not, hmm. she is sold out to seeing students just like her experience the love of Christ for fall 2019. Amen. Uh, we want to begin to wrap up this morning here. I, I want to give you, if you can, give, give me 60 to 90 seconds here each. Um, tell us as we're coming, kind of wrapping this thing, bring it, land in this plane, if you will. Uh, look, a- again, I get this, okay? And I, I'm going to, after they, I'm going I'm to finish this with some. I get, and, and as a pastor, you've got to hear my heart. It is not my intent okay, to pressure you into doing something today. That's not the purpose of this. If that's what it was about, I don't like getting up here and talking about money. I don't like it. You know why? Because I know that it offends people. I know that people don't like it. Guys, I don't like it. I don't like it when I go to a conference and somebody gets up and starts asking me for money. I paid to come here I'm here. You should just be blessed by the fact that I'm here. Hello. <laughs> God says, that's the wrong heart. It's the wrong heart. That, that's not right in me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up, but Pastor Charlie, I want you to, what's your drive? We're trying to do something here because you guys hired a, a, a almost a decade old youth pastor uh, and made him a lead pastor. And so I get speed the light. I work 90 hours a week for several years in a row to send off thousands of dollars worth of finances to just like watch it come in and go right back out. I was like, well, man, whew, we could have done a lot with that here in our church, but okay. And so I've seen that. We've been a part of that. Guys, I, I can't wait. I, I look so forward to the day that I step into the kingdom of God. And I instantly know what every minute that I spent in that funnel cake trailer (laughs) purchased and every soul that was impacted by the seemingly insignificant evening that I spent away from my bride and my my newborn baby. Pastor Charlie, what what keeps you awake at night, man? What's your driving force as as we hopefully, prayerfully attempt to revive a burden in our state for the significance of speed the light what's the driving force that we would make it personal far too often we we look at the need over there and there's a disconnect and the gospel the word calls us that what is personal to god should and can be personal to us and that we would just simply lean in parents let me tell you our students and our kids are watching Can we provide the same experiences to them that will provide a heart for the lost and a heart for Christ that we were given? Hmm. Students, this is not your parents or the church's giving anymore. I pray for a day that students would give sacrificially and not just the church giving sacrificially. Hmm. I want the stories that I hear in Ohio and Minnesota and Florida, how we used to be 20 years ago. We were a state of sacrificial givers. And somehow we lost that, and that's fine. But now we're rebuilding with just the point of what do you have that the Lord has given you that you can entrust in God's hands personally? And parents, the Lord has given your kids in your hands to mold, to be 
Christ followers? How can we model that? Not just giving an offering, but to teach, to give, to shepherd at home that we're saying we're going to be a giving family. We're going to trust the Lord with not just our words, but our actions in an increasingly selfish culture. You want to be transformational? Then let's put others first because the Lord says, I am not here to be in a parade. I'm here to seek and save that which is lost. And he, used, he chooses to include us in that. So my heart, what keeps me up at night, is how can I inspire you and partner with you to fan that flame and say, let's just lean in and believe that God will take our little for his much. It's bigger than us. Pastor Tony, tell us, driving force. When we got there, um, our heart has always been, Lord, help us to change the world from Southwest Louisiana. In this summer of 2018, my wife and I both received a vision. That's how I know that it's God, because we are so in sync and on the same page, of seeing something unprecedented happen at McNeese uh, State and really in in that Chi Alpha group's history, of seeing 100 spirit-empowered, diverse, disciple-making leaders raised up in 10 years, not through the course of 10 years, but on 2028, we will be staring at our fall retreat before school starts at 100 leaders, which equates to about four to 500 students. McNeese is not a very big campus. That would be unprecedented. Why does that keep you at, up at night? Because I want to see the hand of God do the miraculous. I want somebody to walk into that retreat, look at the students, look at me, look at them and look back at me and say, Tony, you weren't cool enough to do this. You were not gifted enough to do this. The hand of God is amongst these students. That is what keeps me up at night, to see God do something unprecedented out of Southwest Louisiana. I want to ask our guys that are going to help us to just ready themselves. You don't have to come forward yet, but when I go home to North Louisiana, Minden, where my entire family is, and uh, I I look around, and sometimes I'm just going to be really transparent with you, okay? Because I don't want to sit up here with these two guys, and you look up here and think, oh, man. Yeah, that's good for them. Uh, Man, I'm glad they have that burden. Now, I want you to understand that we're still husbands and and fathers, and we're still we still like things. Uh, We still live in the United States. Uh, We still have dreams and desires to provide for our families. So when I go home and I, I look around and I'm reminded, I'm like, God, man, I could have a whole lot. A whole lot more. Not that we're not very take, very well blessed and taken care of here. It's not the point, okay? But when I go home, I think, man, if we were up here, we'd have this, we'd have this, have access to this. And God and I kind of have this conversation. When I get back in the comfort and the convenience, but I want, to understand, want you to understand today that I, I just realized that God, not just now, but God didn't call me to comfort and convenience. God called me to faithfulness and God commanded me to be fruitful beyond myself. So when I come back here and I'm reminded of what we get to do for a living and the hundreds, possibly thousands of lives that God has used us to minister to and to reach 
over about the last decade, man, it's worth a few acres of land. It's worth a a few more zeros, whatever bank account we may have. I want to remind you that when the widow came into the temple, Jesus didn't stop everything and point her out to the disciples and say, look how much she's giving. But he did stop them and say, hey, I, I want you to see an example of what would change the world. I want you to see an example that if you could catch the burden of this widow who gives her last two pennies in today's terms, that if you could have the heart that this lady has, it would transform the kingdom. And so today, we have an opportunity. We did this last year with Miss Donna. We prayerfully consider this every year. We ask God to show us a a missionary that we either support or that we need to be supporting as a church. And we have upwards to 45 missionaries that we support. God, show us who they are. Help us to bring them here and make sure that they know that we love them. And this year, God laid Pastor Tony and Lindsay on our heart. And Pastor Charlie and I had already been talking and and we brought them in. and, And I just knowing kind of their year and and some of their story and some of the things that that they've plowed their way through over the last three and a half years, I just want them to leave blessed today. And I want to offer you an opportunity to sow into not just Chi Alpha Ministries uh, and McNeese State, but into this couple. I want them to have a better Christmas because they came to New Hope. I'm going to ask you to reach today and, and to ask God, Ask God, man, what can we give? How can we bless this couple financially this year? How can we sow and give of ourselves so that we gain access to their story? God, right now, I don't, I don't pray that this would be a moment of pressure or obligation, Lord. I just pray that it'd be a moment of purpose. And that... What happens here today would go way beyond just blessing a couple and saying, we see you and we appreciate you. And you're not in the trenches alone. In fact, we're inspired by you. And and because of that right now, we're even convicted to do more and to focus more on the kingdom of God than we are the cares of this world. Lord, right now with every head bowed and every eye closed, I've learned in ministry to never have a presentation of the gospel or even the influence of the gospel without giving someone the opportunity to receive. I believe somebody sitting in here in the room today that is not in right relationship with Jesus. And you've heard the stories of Christ before, but today you heard that Jesus himself said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And God so loved you Don't you let this scripture go through your ears and back out this other side. Let it penetrate your heart. You've heard it a thousand times before, but you need to be reminded right now today that God so loved you that he gave. He gave his son. And it's because of the sacrifice of Jesus that you can be saved. It's why he came. To seek and to save us. Us. Because we were were lost. So if you're sitting in the room right now, right now, with nobody looking around, and you know 
you need to commit your life to Jesus. You need to receive salvation or you need to rededicate your life to Jesus. Just as a sign of confession with nobody looking around, you don't even have to look up. I just want you to lift your hand and say, God, you know, that's me. I want to make this right right now. Thank you. Anybody else? I see you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. Come on, you don't have to yell this prayer. You didn't even have to raise your hand, but you do have to confess Jesus as Lord. So right now, we want to pray with you all across the sanctuary. I want you to lift your voice, and I want you to pray this prayer with me. Jesus, forgive me where I fall short. Take my life. Make it yours. Take my story. Make it your story. Save me. Cleanse me and forgive me. Fill my heart with the desire to follow you, to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Come on, can we give him praise in his house today? I want to let our men come. You can, if you're giving, if you're giving right now, and don't leave, don't leave, because we've got something to do real quick as we give. As we give, we're going to show you a video. We're going to do one more thing, and I promise you, this is why you're here today. I want to let our men, you can begin to pass the buckets from your right. Every, you can write a check, make it out to the church. Just write uh, Tony Jones, Tony Jones on the bottom in the memo. Make all checks payable to us, so you can give online. You can memo at Tony Jones. If you can't give right now, if your significant other's not here and you need to ask them before you do that, go home and talk to them and you can give online, text to give, et cetera, et cetera. All you got to do is memo that. Hey, as they're receiving, as you're sewing, uh, turn your attention to the screens real quick. We got one more thing for you. My name is Allie and I've been changed. majority of my high school years drinking, partying, having a good time, and I came to the college campus with a plan to do exactly the same thing. Chi Alpha found me as a freshman hanging out in the dorms with a group of friends. I began to, in my own brokenness, express to a good friend that I I began to feel a need for God in my life, and she had said, you know what, you are coming with me, we're going to Chi Alpha tomorrow night, and I did, and it was at some moment, pretty much before the worship music even started, that I knew that this was my home, this is where I would be, and I committed my life to Christ right there. I joined a life group and for the first time experienced real relationships with girls, girls that loved each other, that wanted the best for me, that wanted to see God's glory in my life. I grew in a relationship with those girls and by the end of the year I had an opportunity to lead a life group of my own. I began to see and experience this really cool thing which is a front row seat at seeing God really turn some girls' lives upside down for Him. and. Honestly, I got addicted to seeing God changing girls' lives. I was 
actually baptized in a university fountain in the dead center of our college campus. It was a late November night. The water was ice, ice cold. But it was a beautiful moment to step in the university fountain and then in the dead center of the grounds where I got saved, be able to publicly commit my life to Christ. And the coolest thing is, years later, in that exact same fountain, I was baptizing girls whose lives had been changed, who had committed their life to Christ in my life group. I experienced the fullness of the Holy Spirit at a fall retreat with Chi Alpha, and after that, my relationship with God was never the same. I was suddenly empowered. I was reaching out to people without even realizing it, sharing scripture where I never thought I would, ministering to girls that I never thought I had the guts to minister to. God really took a hold of my life in a new depth, in a new way. It was a beautiful thing. I loved it. I felt a call to ministry on my life. I knew I would not be happy doing anything Thing but seeing university students changed for God's glory. My name is Allie, and I've been changed. Good morning, New Hope. I know you're having a great day celebrating what God is doing through your missions giving. So I just want to say thank you to Pastor Chris and Megan for allowing me just to say a few words here. My name is John Catron. I work in the General Council of the Assemblies of God. Most recently, before that, I was the District Youth Director in North Texas, had the privilege of serving with Chris and Megan, and I saw their missions heart there in youth ministry that's translated now into into to senior pastoring, and God is using a leader that has a heart for missions to lead the church to give also to missions. So the, what an incredible pattern. There's other leaders that are there this morning. Pastor Charlie Allo, how you doing, Charlie? I love that, that God is using Charlie in the district youth director position there in Louisiana to lead students and churches to give to missions and missionaries as well. And then the recipient of this blessing today, Pastors Tony and Lindsay there at McNeese State, Chi Alpha Missionaries, thank you for what you're doing to be God's hands and feet and our church's hands and feet to those students on that campus. What an incredible opportunity to impact not only that local campus, but the world. It truly is the, uh, the, the you are the gatekeepers to an influence, to an impact all over the world. So thank you as we just give some, some blessing to you this morning through the ministry of Speed the Light. I want to say thank you on behalf of the fellowship, Tony and Lindsay, for being such incredible missionaries. But then New Hope, you as a church, thank you for getting the heart. You know, Romans says that some people go, and the only way that they can go is if they are sent. And so you are being that sending agency today. What an incredible opportunity that you have today. So New Hope, thank you for giving. Thank you for being a generous church and giving to what God has called you to do. God bless. So I want to invite I want to invite Lindsay to come up here with Pastor Tony um, in two weeks. I told you they were on the list to receive a Speed the Light vehicle, but because of your giving, we were able to speed up that process. Pastor Charlie, let us know what's going on today. Yeah, so you guys gave perhaps the largest single offering a church in our state in the last 15 years. And so you guys, uh, that is a celebratory 
culture changing things. These guys believed in you, your ministry pastor. Chris called me and says, hey, I have a church who's generous. Uh, and I, I believe um, I believe in Tony. I believe in Lindsay. Is there anything that we can do? And it so happened that there was a, a within the day before I got a phone call that um, that another missionary was going on furlough, and he's like, "Who's next on the list?" And I said, "Well, I, Tony and Lindsay are." And he says, "Hey, how much do we need to get him a vehicle? Because they, uh, you know, soon." I said, "Well," and I gave him the amount. He said, "All right, let me talk to my board." And you guys gave over twenty thousand dollars to fund them with this 2018 Chrysler Pacifica that they will receive in the next two weeks. So it's in process, buying this situation. When I go pick it up, I'm gonna drive it down, we're gonna send a little video and thanks, and you'll actually see the vehicle they have. But we just wanna invest in you guys and uh, just let you know how much we love you. And I just wanna celebrate you because let me tell you, your gift is not just for Tony and Lindsay today. Your gift and your testimony, because I'm coming back and I'm going to come film some of you guys, because what you've done here in your faithfulness, and it's, and it's not just a gift, but it is a challenge and an inspiration to all of our church to say, you know what, there's a level of giving here, but the Lord has provided that there's a level of giving here, that our missionaries don't have to wait for another year. Matter of fact, you just guys got in a, an auto wreck about three, three weeks ago, total the vehicle. And so the Lord knows need and provided, and let it be a testimony for you. The Lord knows your need and will provide as well as we give. Come on, stand with us this morning. They're gonna get their vehicle in two weeks. It's already purchased. You gave over 70% of the value of that vehicle. What we do is every time that you give, every Sunday, we take 10% of everything that's given every week and we put it in our missions offering. So we don't have to ask you to give constantly. We just get to appropriate what you've already given. And this year, God chose this couple and they're gonna get their brand new Speed the Light vehicle here in a couple of weeks and we're gonna get to be a part of their story. Come on, as we close, we got to get we got we got another service and a whole other group of people to thank and let. Don't tell them we did this, okay? Don't tell them it was a surprise for you. We want to give them the surprise as well. If they were watching online, then that's just whatever. That's just part of it. Hey, before you go, I don't believe that we just give in in financially. I, I believe that prayer is a powerful thing. And I just want to, as a church, I want to ask you to stretch your hands towards this couple. I usually bless you every week before we leave. We're going to change it up this week. I want you to pray and, in, pray and intercede and bless this family today. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we lift up Tony and we lift up Lindsay. We lift up their babies. God, we lift up every leader that they represent. God, every student on the campus of McNeese. God, I thank you for the vision that has been given. And now I pray, God, that you would send them more provision for the vision that's already been sent. God, I pray that they would continue to draw closer to you and draw closer to one another and that this would just be the beginning of supernatural interventions on their behalf from the kingdom of God saying, Tony, I see you. Lindsay, I know what you've given. I know what you've done. And I'm for you. And if I be for you, then who can be against you? Father, today we bless this couple. We bless them with an even greater vision, even more fruitfulness, even more leaders, even more hearts for recruiting and raising and impacting not the next generation, but the current generation that will be the leaders and the founders of new things that haven't even started yet. God, give them wisdom and discernment 
not just for the students, but for their own children. God, I pray that you would guide them and that as Adam walked in the cool of the afternoon in intimacy with you, I pray that same thing for this family. God, let them be inspired and motivated and let them go back to that campus next semester and have the best semester that they've ever had with the most impact. And I pray, God, and thank you for their faithfulness. But right now, as a church, we agree that faithfulness would turn into fruitfulness and that they would not just be part of the sowing and the planting and the watering, but God, they would be used as laborers to see the harvest that only you could bring. We pray all of these things and we bless them today as a church and a family. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen. Praise God. Hey, meet somebody that you don't know before you leave today. God bless you.